0: This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Hello, and welcome to the podcast Self Work. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. I'm a clinical psychologist out of Fayetteville, Arkansas. Gosh, I've been doing this almost 25 years. And last year I decided I wanted to expand the walls of my practice or extend them to people who might or might not ever really consider therapy, but might be interested in hearing what a psychologist had to say. I've gotten lots of emails from you, and I love getting those emails that describe what you're getting out of self-work. And I am so pleased to hear that some of my own personal stories Make a difference. I often feel as if I'm sharing the wisdom of many of the patients I've worked with over the years with those who listen here at self work. I'm a conduit of sorts. So I hope you'll listen today. We're going to be talking about the holidays. You can already hear the pressure. We're already hearing Christmas commercials and all that kind of thing. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the things that I don't do at the holidays, (laughs) poking a little fun at myself. And then we're going to talk about the importance of ritual. My parents died the week before Christmas in 2007, so I have some personal experience of grief at the holidays and how to handle that. Then our email from a listener today asks the question of how to talk to a therapist about potential abuse that you think happened, but your memories are vague. What exactly do you do? So thanks for joining me. And we'll get started. I'm sure you've heard it. I've heard it. People are saying things like, I have to get my house decorated before Thanksgiving. Or, I'm not done shopping and I ought to be. I don't know where the time's gone. Or, we're expected to go to my mom's for Christmas I don't know how she and my dad would handle it if we decided to stay home. We have to go. And then we all wonder why there's so much pressure during this time of the year. But we need to listen to ourselves for a minute or two. Incredible expectations, cramming way too many extra responsibilities into an already tight schedule, seeing perfect pictures of families on social media, everyone looking beatific or wearing matching outfits. It can be overwhelming. The shoulds, musts, and have-tos can be so enormous and so bountiful that it's ridiculous. And it doesn't have to be that way. I think it's important to remember that the holidays happen in the context of life. You know, maybe this year you found out your spouse is having an affair or you're getting divorced. Maybe your best friend died of cancer this year. Maybe you've got a child crashing on drugs or maybe your family does Christmas, but There's no joy. I'm saying Christmas. It could be Hanukkah, could be Kwanzaa, whatever. Maybe you're not even in contact with members of your family. You're estranged. Whatever sadness or disappointment exists in your life before and after the holidays, it doesn't have to be shoved in a box during them as if it doesn't exist. That makes it worse. Honoring where you are in life and where your loved ones are to me is vital. I love rituals as much as the next guy. Yet, for rituals to retain their fulfillment, you have to want to do them. You're inspired and rejuvenated by them. You may be emotionally reconnecting with someone who loved you well by carrying on that ritual. Or maybe it's one you created yourself and your own family. They're important. Rituals are markers. Maybe all of you go out to a tree farm and pick out your own tree or... It's a ritual to brine the turkey. Maybe it's to go to the mall and pick a name from the giving tree and buy presents. Things you do every year, there are meaning in those rituals. And yet it's important to remember that maybe this is the year to prioritize, to realize you do have options, even though some of these rituals are very meaningful to you. One of the things that I think is so important to keep the holidays joyful is to choose the rituals that fit for your life this year. And then they won't lose their meaning. There is simply no way that I personally have ever been able to live up to some of the things I hear that other people do. Their Christmas tree is up before Thanksgiving, and mine is usually up. If if we get it up five days before Christmas, we're doing well. And the Christmas presents themselves, uh, they arrive about 10.30 Christmas Eve night. (laughs) I hear a lot about holiday baking, and I'm doing pretty well if I have red and silver Hershey's Kisses to offer people, and it's also true that around March or April, I'm going to look in my sock drawer, and I will find what I meant to put in someone's stocking and forgot, so they'll get a spring gift, or maybe I'll save it till the next Christmas. I wrote about this in the Huffington Post a couple of years ago, and I got a fairly scathing comment that said, I wouldn't want to be this psychologist's family. My God, she doesn't really care about them. And that's not what it is. It's just there's too much. There's too much. I think the worst has been that one year, my son went to Vanderbilt, and I gave him golf club covers that had the Vanderbilt logo. Well, the next year, he opened his presents, and they were Vanderbilt golf covers again. (laughs) He goes, Mom, I'll add this to my collection, but (laughs) I'd forgotten. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Thank goodness I do have a very forgiving and understanding family. But realizing you have options. I said I kind of learned about this the hard way in 2007. My mom's death was a surprise. And she died on the 17th. And then dad had been sick for quite a while. And he died on Christmas Eve. So I was just home from my mom's funeral when I got the news that my dad had died. After mom's service, I remember driving back to Fable and thinking, okay, well, it will help me if I start preparing for Christmas. I already had the turkey ordered and that kind of thing. And we had guests coming for Christmas dinner. But when my dad died... My husband looked at me and said, do you want to go on and have people over? What I'm suggesting to you is the fact that I gave myself the option not to have guests over for Christmas dinner, and I believe that that option was what helped me. I thought about the pros and cons and how I might tolerate not having it, but I'm a pretty responsible type and calling it off wouldn't be the norm for me. But I needed to consider myself and my own feelings. I also didn't want to sob at the table. I could decide that my grief was more important than the ritual. But after a few minutes, I stopped. I remembered what was really important. And in some ways, I knew I would feel connected to my parents through some of the rituals. It would bring me joy. I might have to excuse myself if it was a little too much emotionally, but that would be Okay. So, on Christmas Day, my rituals soothed. I said the same prayer my dad had always said and choked back tears. I lovingly used the goblets that had graced my mother's table, swallowing a little bit of sorrow with each sip. There were probably some dishes that weren't prepared, and I let that go, but I kept my options open, and I savored the rituals that had been part of our sitting down for Christmas dinner for years. And definitely felt connected to both my mom and dad. So you can decide now which, if any, rituals are important for you to continue this year. Are there new ones you'd like to establish? Is it time to let go of some of them and give yourself permission to have options? So much of what we create during the holidays is for others, our children, our parents, our friends, and that feels really good. But if you dread going through another holiday season, feeling burdened by the shoulds, the musts, the have-tos, they have the ability to strip you of whatever the holidays can mean to you, given your particular circumstance. So honor your family, do for others, honor the rituals, let them soothe whatever pain you have, let them bring you and yours comfort and delight, and honor yourself. Our email from a listener today is from a 39 year old woman. And she says, I started seeing a therapist a little over a year ago for an eating disorder. I was tired of the yo-yo dieting and constant focus on food and negative body image. I'm very comfortable with her and I've been able to identify some behaviors or feelings around food that originate from my mother's own attitudes and weight struggle. However, I still struggle very much with feeling my feelings and trying to mentally walk down certain paths. In our original intake interview, for example, I asked to table some of the personal history questions. I was unsure how to answer them. There is no question. There was what I could identify now as verbal abuse from an alcoholic father. There is the possibility of other abuse, not my father. But when I think of them, I have more overwhelming feelings and very muddled memories. It's been so long they're more like faded Polaroids, and I'm not certain they're real. I know this therapist practice focuses on addictions, eating disorders, and trauma. Maybe why I subconsciously picked her. Here's my question. I don't know how to talk about these feelings, the ones that hurt so much, and the fears of abuse, or if it is even necessary. Do you have any tips for how to talk to or even bring this up to a therapist? You know, I want to stress as a therapist, and one of the reasons why I chose this email was because many times I will see somebody several times before they begin to talk to me about abuse or trauma. There is so much shame involved that it can be very difficult. And that is something that all therapists at least should understand. It's difficult to talk about. There's a reason why you've kept the secret for so many years. So here's my response. I'm so glad you've reached out. One of the things I tell my own patients with any kind of abuse or trauma in their past is that the last thing therapy should do is re-traumatize them. We need to go as slowly as they need to, and they're in charge of that process, not me. I hear that you feel safe and comfortable with your therapist, and that you feel as if she knows what she's doing. I'd suggest you talk about talking, and tell her that you need and want to talk through the confusion carefully. I've had many people come in for a few months and then take a break even to return when they feel like they're ready to go further. What I mean by this is you talk about what it would be like to talk about something. That's what talk about talking means. What would it be like to share memories with your therapist or your friend or whomever you're thinking about that you're not quite clear about or even talk about memories of actual sexual abuse or any kind of abuse. So talking about talking can be really helpful because you don't reveal content, you're focused on process. But let's go back to my response. As far as whether or not it's important to do this work, I don't guess I'd be a therapist if I didn't believe in the validity of understanding and emotionally working through trauma and abuse. It allows you to connect how that abuse may be affecting your thoughts and actions in the present so that whatever you may be doing that's self-destructive or maladaptive can be changed. Even though your memories are muddled, this doesn't mean they're not important, but only you can decide whether or not this is the right time in your life to explore these issues. I want to stress this, that if you seek therapy or if you simply talk to a friend, the last thing you want to do if you reveal abuse of any kind is to re-victimize yourself, to feel like someone's pulling something out of you or pushing you to make certain choices or make certain revelations. You need to go as slowly and carefully as possible and as feels safe. A good example of this is I had a patient who'd been sexually abused read the book, The Courage to Heal, and she was very triggered. What that means is she was emotionally upset when she looked at a certain scenario that was in the book. So I said, don't look at it. Don't read it. It was too similar to what had actually happened to her, for her to handle it at that time. She came in later. She had a big smile on her face, I remember, and she said, My husband and I were together, we were out on the boat in the middle of a lake, and I got the book out, and I held his hand, and I read him that particular story, and we cried together. He comforted me, and that's all I needed. So she was ready. It didn't re-victimize her. If you're one of the countless people who've been abused in some way, and you're listening to this, even talking about talking may trigger you. So please be careful with those feelings. I want to thank you for listening today to Self Work. You can email me at askdrmargaret at drmargaretrutherford.com. I love getting your emails. They are confidential. I'm the only one who sees them. And I will answer you. If you don't want me to share your email here on self-work, then I won't, but I will try to answer you in a prompt manner. I also am so grateful that there are many of you who have begun leaving a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen. It takes about two seconds to rate self-work and a minute to leave a review, and they're both important. They keep me in the eyes and ears, so to speak, of other listeners on iTunes. So I'd so appreciate it if you could find the time to leave me a rating or review. And of course, I'd love it if you subscribe. That lets me know that you're eagerly awaiting or at least interested in the next episode of Self Work. My website is DrMargaretRutherford.com. I'm excited to announce That in 2018, lots of great things are happening. I'm starting a column on Psych Central that will be a weekly column on perfectly hidden depression. Next week's episode will be my 50th episode of self work, and wonderful things are happening in the next 50 episodes. I've talked all along how I wanted to do interviews, and that's getting set up as we speak, as well as I'll be able to offer a free download of an audiobook from audible.com. All of that is coming. So I hope you'll listen in next week. I had a few technological difficulties last week and couldn't get a podcast out, so I apologize about that, but I'll do my best to make up for it. So once again, happy holidays. Take very good care. I'm Dr. Margaret, and you've been listening to Self-Work.